If you're teaching biblical principles, doesn't that solve all of these problems? I love you because God loves you, and I want you to know the truth about him. Like, is, isn't that like it? That is it. That is what God's word says. The only way to have racial reconciliation or socioeconomic reconciliation is through reconciliation with Christ. It's through Christ's reconciliation. There's no other way. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Welcome to episode 103 of the Carpe Fide podcast. Cien y tres. Yeah, it's correct. For all of our Spanish-speaking listeners, thank you for joining us. Carpe Fide Espanol. Latin X. Latinx. Tienes un grande gato en los pantalones. La mujer está bebiendo leche. No. <laughs> That's what Rosetta Stone taught me. <laughs> well, this has been highly educational. Speaking of education, oh, oh look man. at that transition. This will be our second episode, diving into the Gospel Coalition's <laughs> Should Christians Send Their Kids to Public School Good Faith Debate? Quote, unquote, good faith. Quote, well, it's unquote, mostly debate. just a sloshing of So far, there's been kindness. a lot of bad faith, actually. I mean, there's been some, oh, yeah, we just, we walked through Jen Wilkins long, long, literally, Dr. Pennington takes less than half of the amount of time that Jen Wilkins takes to do his introduction, and does so more succinctly and better, because he just is going from an objective source, like, hey, this is why we educate kids, so uh, you'll you'll see why. Dr. Pennington is an example of how you can be right and also completely neutered as well. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how he leads his family. I don't want to do a lot of judgment on that. No, I'm not judging about how he leads his family. I'm just talking about the fact that he looks like, entire, a, like a cartoon character. No, just this like, entire debate, is it's not a debate. It's more like a, like, I agree with you, you agree with me, let's just get along in the end. And it's like, that's not a debate. I mean, <laughs> it, it could be if you know both sides were actually right about the point. It's just that that's not necessarily the case. Just to recap you, for if you're jumping right into this, uh, we listened to Jen Wilkin open her debate thoughts, and what you're basically coming away with is that it is not an imperative for you to send your kids to school. That is a direct command, but it would be almost, so maybe an imperative, it is not a requirement for you to send your kids to, to public school, but by phrasing it as something like you should... Or if at all possible, you should. Right. You make it much more of an almost a moral imperative. Like it is a moral good for you to do this. This is what you should do. Um, so if you were to connect, that that's a broad kind of. You go back and listen to the episode. We we take an hour to talk to her to let her you know fifteen minute spiel. We really kind of open that up because we wanted to be clear. Wanted to give her a chance. Because she doesn't, she feels she's been misquoted in this whole thing, right? Didn't want to be accused of doing that. Correct. So we let her give her moments, and then we 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 broke down several of them to kind of understand them and unpack them from a biblical worldview. And here, so I, I am painting generally when I say that basically she was laying outlining a moral imperative, um, as opposed to a requirement, but but there really wasn't there really isn't much of a difference there at the end of the day. Um, and, and it'd be like, if we went back to the days of COVID, I, 
believe that no one, right, the, an impair, a, a requirement for a Christian is to not live governed by your emotions. So we are not controlled by fear. But because I believe that requirement, I also wouldn't say everyone should wear a mask or everyone shouldn't wear a mask. I'm not going to trap in your conscience at that point by telling you what you should do, if at all possible, because I'm not going to caveat that in you have to love your neighbor a certain way or you should love your neighbor a certain way or you should be, you know, kind a certain way or you should be kind in a different way. Like that's, that's the part where you're trapping someone into um, your view of a moral imperative. And we don't want to do that over issues where we can't be clear. Whatever issues where we have clear understanding, as Dr. Pennington is about to outline, we must be objectively clear on what we can know God has given us as objectively true. Does that make sense? Yep. That was our basic problem. If you wanted to boil it down into a really less fun, because we had a lot of fun. Well, <laughs> it's definitely say we enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> mash them. Stick them in a stew. Yeah. Sure. Potatoes. Potatoes. Anyway, uh, we'll get to let Dr. Pennington open us up tonight. And I really, really only needs about like four minutes to outline his whole view, which is a, a good, solid view of, uh, of education. Uh, so we'll let him give We'll give him that full time. And then we'll jump into some of the topic breakdowns. We're going to give him the full time. We're not even going to comment in between. I mean, you can comment if you want to, but I don't feel that there's much. Like, I don't want to waste time where we don't need to. We got a lot of different topics they touched on. I just don't know how we're supposed to spend less time on more time on the video. There's plenty to talk about. I don't understand the problem is. No, I know. What? I feel like there's like three days worth of content to talk about. In the I know. Next, We're going to have to go fast. Minutes. Just all give right. him, because right. it's literally like three and a half minutes. He outlines the whole thing. All right. All right. Click. All right, Jonathan, <laughs> your turn. What's your perspective on this issue? Dr. Jonathan Pennington. Yeah, I also come from a family of all teachers. Uh, my aunts and uncles, both my parents are teachers. My sister, I have a teaching degree. In, so in, he's uh, credentialed. In the public high schools in Chicago. And so, and I really value Never mind, it's from public Chicago. education <laughs> for the same reasons you do in terms of the common good and you know, the things we could talk about more. Um, but we did raise our six children, either homeschooling them or in private school or sometimes a two-day week consortium kind of thing. And, and we would do that again, I think. And there are a number of reasons, again, that we can, we can talk about. But I think before we ask the question of how we're going to educate our, our children as Christian parents, I think we need to ask a more fundamental question, and that is why? Like, what is education? And, and especially from a Christian perspective, why do we educate our children? And I think... See, that's when I was first listening to this. You're muted. You were saying yes. Um, when I was first listening to this, when I was listening to Jen Wilkins' introductory thing, I'm like, she didn't start at the beginning by asking what is education and and why are we doing it. Now, I think he nuances it actually a bit too much because I think that God's view of education is the view of education. I don't. I don't do. I think that education. I think that educating our children is a directive from God, and so we do it his way. Yes, and I tried to be charitable to Jen, so let me be charitable to to Dr. Pennington. Dr. P. <laughs> when, he, when he's outlining it here, I believe he's trying to directly address first that he can acknowledge what Jen's saying, 
but it doesn't. It has its base. He's going to go backwards and say where its basis actually is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this. This. He's going to say, yeah, this idea exists in culture in the greater general world, but it's primarily comes from God. It's it's God who sources this idea. If you if you let him go on. Yeah. No, I was I was giving him kudos for. For starting, starting at the beginning, beginning. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. No, he does. He does start at why. Like why? Why are we educating our kids? Is there a reason? Right. Yes, it's because we must love our neighbors. <laughs> Although I disagree that public school educations are for the public good, but that's a different topic. Perhaps. Well, we're gonna have to talk about that because, like, public school education, public education in this country began because of the Puritans. Like, <laughs> not modern public education. No, that's true. But public education, as funded by taxpayers, began by the old Deluder Satan Act, which was enacted by the Puritans so that people could learn to read the Bible and follow it. I'm talking post-Reconstruction era, or I'm talking Reconstruction era. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just saying, let's not go, let's not, you you don't just say like, oh, well, if you're going to abort the baby, murder the mother. Like, let's calm down. Like, like, it's like, let's just not abort the baby. Let's keep the baby. Let's take a pause. That got real. But I I do think (laughs) that women should be charged with murder. (laughs) We talked about this so many times. (laughs) It was a horrible analogy. How about we just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? All right. That's a better one. That's a, that's a colloquialism. Yeah. Okay, let's take a pause, take a beat. Although, thank God, fortunately, most babies are too big to go down the, the drains. Yes, nowadays, but when you used to just throw it outside, throw it outside, you'd be like, oh, crap, this, ah, oh, man, where's the baby? Throwing it down onto the sidewalks of London. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, Was my water that dirty or was, was the child that dirty? Oh, I couldn't tell which one was dirty. It's fleshy. It's <laughs> messed up. I apologize to everyone. I think when we ask that question, First, it'll help us get a better chance at answering the, the how we're going to do it question. And we need to start there. And so I like right. to sum it all up actually with one Greek word, not just because I'm a Greek professor, because it's a word we don't really have in English anymore. And it's the word paideia. And we have some remnants of that word in like pediatrics and pedagogy. But what paideia meant, it was this vision that the ancient Greeks and Romans had that the way to create a good society and the way to create people that flourish is that you need to take people from childishness to maturity or to wholeness through intentionally developing them to love what is true and good and beautiful. And not just to know what is true and good and beautiful, but to actually love it because our emotions and our affections drive actually everything we do. They're a huge part of our ethics. Our emotions actually are. And education needs to focus on yeah, though I did, I did find that one point interesting for what he said. That emotions are a huge part of our ethics. When in reality, for that is again, he's painting a societal picture, like a general societal picture. But in reality, for Christians, no, your emotions have nothing to do with with ethics because ethics <clears throat> is is essentially morality. You can you can literally sub those in. Ethics might be a more um, uh, local, like a hyper local. Uh, view of it like this time this place this this culture had this ethic but the reality of of that that thinking is is faulty because we have no emotionally based ethic our our morality comes solely and truly through one objective source and that's god god dictates what morality is right although i do agree that I do agree that fostering a love of learning and a love of understanding these things is a good thing, but I think that that's different than the emotion of. Love. Yeah, that's what that's what I was really I was just trying to clarify because he yeah. may have been trying to say that and just kind of clumsily did it. I mean, he said it initially, but then he started explaining, and then about he ethics. started explaining that the, one point the, about ethics got me a little off. I'm like, yeah. all right, I understand. Like, 
like all right so if he's saying that it's supposed we're supposed to have a, a love for ethics yes tr- like the true the right the good the beautiful yes we should have a love for ethics because it should be the right ethics the objective morality ethics from god <laughs> right. carry on dr pennington ethics our emotions actually are and education needs to focus on developing children in in training their affections training their understanding training their knowledge in ways that they become whole people so that again they can be happy themselves and also contribute to society now ancient christians adopted this as a category themselves rightly so um, not only for an understanding of what the message of the Bible is, of really a theological understanding that God is shaping us and forming us into the image of Christ, taking us from childishness to wholeness. So they adopt it as a, as a theological category, but they also adopt it as a way of thinking about how to raise our children. And that really becomes the foundation for all of Western civilization, really up until the 20th century, this, this fundamental idea of shaping people toward the good and the true and the beautiful. Now, Christians get this from their Jewish heritage. We're familiar with Deuteronomy 6. Let me just read these verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you're walking along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. So, <clears throat> real quick, he never actually said where Paideia was mentioned in the scriptures, and that's mentioned by Paul in Ephesians 5. Training your child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord would be, yeah, um, Ephesians 5. Um, well done. And then he also then goes back to the Shema in Deuteronomy, which is also... A, a perfect place to land on this as well. It's clearly the literal expression of what the paideia is. Yes. And so, um, you know, we just had paideia. Uh, we did have pi- <laughs> paideia. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That was being here today. Yeah, we're recording on the 15th. <laughs> the, the 314. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but I just want, I just want our listeners to understand that what he actually did was take scriptures that actually do apply to how children should be trained up and um, actually use them in the context of training up children, uh, which is not actually what Jen did with any of the passages of scripture that she tried to reference. Yes. You won't, you might say that Jen let her emotions dictate her ethic, <laughs> but, but what I, what, here's the thing. I love if you can Woo. if you can go back and watch the video. So we're at like the seventeen fifty four mark of the video, more or less. If if you watch this whole exchange, when he starts reading Deuteronomy six, I particularly like watching Jen's body language kind of during the whole thing. So you kind of watch her, and she's like, "Okay, <laughs> we're gonna oh go gosh. into the Bible. He's the gonna Bible read it. Don't do not read it. Don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't really look like that, but definitely she has this interesting body language. I'm kind of like." Well, she is wearing the Sith outfit as did well. Did you not expect this to happen? <laughs> did, you, did you not know? Right Sorry. then, he was like, I have the high ground, Anakin. <laughs> and she's like, <gasps> She's like, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> Sizzling intensifies. All right. <laughs> sound of cooking. Sound. I think I think when I watched that, the, 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 literally the subtitle was Sound of Cooking Bacon. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Uh, anyway, the idea here in the Hebrew Bible and into Christian understanding as well is that education is not primarily about 
learning skills, job skills, or even learning, you know, self-expression or something like that. Definitely not the learning The point that. of education is very clear. It's development of virtue. And the development of virtue is good for you and good for others as well. And of course, from a Christian perspective, it's developing Christian virtue. Right? Yes, uh, honestly, though, like that—that's the crux of it. So, like, we don't need. To, I don't know that we need. That—that's his whole point. Um, he then points it to directly to God. The virtue must be oriented, oriented around God, and I think this is this is a good place to start for it's education. Good, true, and beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> like this is where, like, if you're going to start like a conversation about should we send our Christians, should Christians send their kids to public school? How about we start with? how should we, why should we educate our children? Like, and how do we educate our children? Like, these are all questions the scripture does ask. How in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, should we? Yes. All the time. Your job is to educate your children. You are their sole educator. So don't screw this up. Like you've been given a gift of stewarding that child. And it's important to note that because the state has not been given the gift to steward a child. That is, that is a Marxist thing. That is a, that is a socialist communist thing. That is not a Christian thing. That is not a God thing. <laughs> so, no, thank you very much. Sound crazy somewhere else. We're all stocked up here. Yeah. Um, I think we probably could. I really think that that was he. He he only goes on for another like minute. We could listen to it, but he he. That's pretty much the laying out. Like that's his that's his point. I did like that we didn't point it out that he did, does come from a family of educators but did not after having taught in public schools like yeah this is not how we're going to educate our kids this is not this is not how we're going to do that yeah. so I, I do find that interesting you have two people that come from education families one of them went the exact opposite way of the other and one of them used scriptures in their appropriate context to actually try to parse out maybe some sort of direction on the matter yeah and one of them thinks that one particular scripture means that Everything in your life is dictated around loving strangers. I hate you. <laughs> uh, yes, not your children, not your children or your spouse. Or first of all, what does uh, what does uh, Miss Miss Bristol down 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 the the way? What would be good for her kids? Right. How about what's good for your kids? Well, God gave you didn't shared give you, probably shared life experiences. God didn't one. give you your her kids. God gave you your kids. Like steward them as God's a gift to you. <laughs> Oh, anyway, sorry. Um, the first cut they make uh, is talking about family stages, which isn't, a, I think, an appropriate thing to talk about, particularly when you're talking about education, because education is something that should be evaluated fairly regularly for each child. What do they? What are their needs? How are they learning? Uh, each, each child may learn at a better or a different rate, uh, a, a better way. They may learn visually. They may learn auditorily. Um, usually the best way to learn is connecting all of the senses as much as possible. Um, and, and those are, those are good ways. You, you can have some pretty independent learners. You can have learners that need intense guiding. <laughs> uh, so it's a good, it's a good topic. I mean, we can, we can, uh, start there if you want to, Jesse. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, if we're we trying to jump save over. time, I don't really, uh, family stages is, stage is kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, so then, then, uh, the next one they break down, <laughs> family stages is kind of boring. <laughs> stages of life, please. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. I'm gonna be fun. We can do, uh, do you want to jump into the next one then? Sure, sure, sure. sure all sure. right, all right, okay, okay. Inside or outside the home? Speaking about where where education is to flow from. And, <laughs> uh, Well, Jen, one thing that Jonathan mentioned was Deuteronomy 6. And he, I think he phrased it as eight hours a day. You know, I, I, I've heard people calculate from K through 12, 15,000 hours. 
that the children are gone in school. And so I know you agree with Deuteronomy 6. You, you, you didn't want it, to see that play out in Actually, your home. Actually, I've heard it before, so okay. thanks. Oh, for this is the yeah, first time yeah. you did yeah. it. Old yeah. Testament. <laughs> <laughs> so how does... I'm just hoping that that was one of those jokes and not that an attempt to be joking, but actually be serious. No, it was a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. I know, I know. How does that play out in your context? Yeah. When, when for those 15,000 hours, some, you know, you know what they're getting. How, how are you, um, how does Deuteronomy 6 play out in your home? Yeah. Well, uh, I think what having them in public school did for us was it really uh, drove home the emphasis of the shared time that we did have being vital. And so you heard in the age range of my kids, they're all very close in age. Um, it's all within a four-year range. And so you can imagine if we had each child even in one activity, uh, that the likelihood we would have family dinners was gonna drop significantly. Like I remember even when they were, one of my shining moments as a ministry parent was ministry in their parent. early years where we ended up pulling them from is the that where your child is ministry? program that happened on <laughs> like, Wednesday nights at the church because they were getting to bed too late, you know, and it was taking another night out. You know what, I'm uh, just gonna rewind Early that. years uh, where hello, we this ended is ministry. up She's six years old. Where, you keep talking and I'm trying to- Sorry. Remember. The ministry parent was in their early years where we ended up pulling them from the scripture memory program that happened on Wednesday nights at the church because they were getting to bed too late you know, and it was taking another night out uh, that we had together. And so they took their kids out of the scripture memory classes. Yes, because they had to do their public school homework. I don't know what to say. Well, I mean, it, she's about to say that she let them choose. One, did she she's, Did she do the one or none? Yes, one or none. Yes. So she just admitted that the likelihood of them actually spending time as a family together decreases even when they just pick one. And she's about to explain how they let each of their kids just pick one or none and then pull them out of their scripture memory classes. With our kids, we, we put a pretty heavy limitation on extracurricular activities. Uh, we said one or none, and some of them did none. And I'll tell you, countercultural is when your child doesn't have an alter identity involved in a sport or a musical instrument or something like that. that I did actually- too controversial. Yeah. These good I, I mean, yeah, kids sport, I would extracurricular imagine. activities yeah, are crazy. And, and that really is, um, that's actually kind of one of my hot takes around this is that a lot of times parents end up giving back even more hours to, to these other endeavors that, that are pulling, not just pulling kids outside of the home for extended periods of time, but where each member of the family sort of develops their own identity around that activity and their primary place of belonging begins to be in that peer group or that that setting versus in the home. So Which is exactly what Karl Marx and Engels wanted, isn't it, Justin? It sure is. Um, Kids and families spending less time together and in the hands of, ironically, the state. But, like, all right, all right. We can acknowledge the... You're so winsome. No, no, I want to acknowledge the wisdom of what she's saying. We should be careful how we use extracurriculars. Like parents, we cannot prioritize extracurriculars over the things of God. Like that's that can never be a thing. Like scripture I, memory class. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I do find it hard. Like how do you how do you justify pulling them out of scripture memory but letting them like learn the oboe? Like I don't understand how that could be a thing. Like and. Well, I mean, we have a whole book of the Bible named after the oboe. Obadoba. 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 
<laughs> I thought that was a, I thought that was a chicken dish. Obadiah. Obadobi chicken? <laughs> no. Um was he wait, I'm just realizing he, he was the Jedi. The Jedi prophet. Obadiah Kenobi. Obadobi <laughs> Kenobi. All right, stop it. Um <laughs> I think I think we do need to balance that. I do think a lot of a lot of parents allow things, particularly things that fall on Sunday. And don't get me wrong, it's super hard. My son's wanted to play football for you know, probably about a year now. He's a pretty thick kid. He's pretty solid, and very solid, and likes to hit things. And he's super gentle. He's great. He's great with every one of your kids. He's great with his younger brother. Um, he's he. We have done our share of wrestling, and so he learns how to wrestle well. I think he does a pretty good job also letting other kids learn how to do that the right way. Um, and, and my wife is, is probably wisely against doing the full contact football <clears throat> in our area. The only, um, the only, the only flag football leagues are on Sundays. We haven't, we have not entered into doing any of them. I mean, they they start, you know, there's, there's summer, fall, spring, indoor, winter. There's, they have one running all, all the time and we've never done them because their games are always, always on Sunday um, and every league that we've looked at you can't let that you can't sign up for that like that can't be a thing because I'm not going to my, my child must know the importance of the gathering of the Saints together we don't we don't sacrifice for that so I mean we've we've told my daughter my daughter's been in tor- soccer tournaments with a soccer team no we're not available for that like if that had fit better we might be available for it but we're not available for that your game is going to bring us too close to church. We cannot, we cannot risk that because church is that that's, that's our, that's our time with the Lord. We gather with our family, our church family. And so that's been a, also a witness. It's definitely been a witnessing opportunity. Although I think it's caused some consternation too, because <laughs> Kylie is one of the best players on her soccer team. Um, but, but you have to understand when extracurriculars cannot, cannot interfere in that way with the things of God. Um, so she's right. We should balance those things. But you don't sacrifice the memory verse because you want to, well, we didn't have enough family time, so we had to sacrifice the memory verse class. But that's only because when you're learning jazz flute, it takes a long time too. So we had to sacrifice the memory verse. Like, there's got to be some consistency here. And, like, that's not, that doesn't seem very consistent. I just can't believe she didn't allow her children the lived life, ex- the the lived social experience of learning scripture with other children. Well, that's because they had to learn the lived life experience of how to share water bottles in the dugout for baseball. Well, well, well. I'm not saying that's what she did. I'm just saying that there's an inconsistency issue. Right. The point that she's right about here is that there is a significant amount of thinking and planning to make sure that you're children are spent your children's time is spent wisely although i would probably argue that pulling them out of scripture memory is probably not but whatever one might say but you know what it's a contradiction there it's it is at the very least a head scratcher so we were we were vigilant about shared vigilant, time yeah. together and not just it wasn't just being in in the home together you can't go to your scripture memory you have to spend time with mommy and daddy it was being in the home together, doing things together, right? Because you think about even the way that the typical American home is constructed now is so that we can each have our individual spaces. And so we purposefully stacked them up as roommates in their rooms and we purposefully... Karl Marx did that in the home? 
No, I mean, I mean, so <laughs> call it one. I didn't know he was an architect as well. This man did it all. <laughs> no, he wants to get kids away from their parents and into uh, different author- authority structures. Yeah, I did this as a uh, sermon illustration yeah. for the the uh, be Re- the be real app. And my my daughter's friends most of the time their their pictures are of them alone in their room. And I I said we we that's not where your kids should be. Your kids should be together with the family. Um, that's why we spend most of our time in one one or two rooms of our home. There's it's just where where we are together. Yeah, all the other places are cold and dark, and they don't have food. Mm, that is true. We are closer to the food in those mm-hmm. two rooms. Yeah. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. had everybody. You know, you weren't off in your room alone. It was we were all in shared spaces together as much as possible. So we were definitely aware of the time that was being given to the education space being time that wouldn't be family time. Although another mitigating factor for us was that my kids were essentially a peer group for one another moving through school together. They always had someone right there with them. So whatever was going on in their actual peer group was going to be, um, to some degree, um, they were insulated because they had a, a peer who was also a best friend right there. That's really helpful. So I'll put a little bit of my part. <laughs> is that like it was like it just started a bone? Oh, that's that's really helpful. It's really helpful. Like oh, so yes. Uh, here's our first our first pro tip. You know, just uh, have another child right near that child's age. Oh yeah. wait, is it you? Then can't you can go back them, and do that. Then you can send them to public school where they'll always have a peer group, so that when they're facing, <laughs> I, I don't know, I got nothing. Like, no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I see the benefit of that you can have. Uh, you cultivating like. In our family, we we've instructed them: your brothers and sisters are your best friends because yeah. the they will not change. Your peer group will yep. change. Your friendship levels they will change, but your your family should be your best friend because they will always Ride be or die. family. Although Jesse and I didn't didn't stir that pot until later in life. Well, I mean, you know, it's our it's our not our fault that our parents had us seven years apart. Yes, well, it's not our fault that I was such a perfect child that they accidentally had you in an unplanned way, and it was like, oh, no. Of course, they had me in an unplanned way, too. <laughs> Our parents didn't plan any children. <laughs> there was like, no family planning. It was just like, oh, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, well, I guess we're having a baby. <laughs> Surprise. We were both born out of passion. Cards hmm. on the hmm. table. We do. My kids go to a Christian classical school in Orlando. Oh, my gosh. And I, I actually am... Something you said is a concern of mine in our context, and it's the exposure to different socioeconomic classes, uh, different races, different adversities. And so, like, does this kid, like, does this family not, like, take their kids out, like, shopping to the grocery store, or they don't do any family events outside the home ever? Have they ever watched a television show? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, turn the Proud Family on or something. Like, well, no, I was just thinking, like, don't do that. Nobody like, looked that up. Like, and that's not to say that these things don't actually exist inside of classical Christian constructs and inside of private ed- Christian education, because they do. Different socioeconomics, different ethnicities, different family backgrounds, all of these things exist inside of these different structures. It's a real thing. Like, it, You've never heard of homeschool privilege, bro? I mean, only I've the heard- rich white people get to homeschool because they don't have to worry about money. Oh, bro. is that what it is? Bro. I thought people homeschooled because it's the way they can teach their kids without spending a lot of money. Bro, you, you don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somebody I know and love said that once. Like, <laughs> is it helpful that it is such a, not, not a restrictive cost? It's, uh, it's, I mean, I don't think it's a restrictive cost. But right. Maybe, maybe I'm privileged. I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I don't know, 
middle class. But it's then, your, but then there, beard privilege, bro. But then there, then there are people that in in churches of like, then there are people in my homeschool community that their churches do help them out with finances because they they do need some help with finances, but they have the time to devote to it. And you can even do homeschooling a cheaper way than what we're doing. If that's for darn sure. So I mean, poppycock. Well, that's a word you said. Now let's carry on. So. I'm, we're really praying through how do we give our children that exposure that you get very naturally in the public school. Take them grocery what shopping. To that end? Take them to the aquarium. Yeah, I feel that too. Yeah, and I think probably the classical schools especially struggle with that because of the cost of it for a lot of people. Yeah, private. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably happened are, in church mm-hmm. more than any other way. However, even then, churches tend to be kind of homogenous as well. So I just acknowledge that. That is a disadvantage of, of a lot of private school and homeschool situations. I don't know what to say beyond that. So here we go with these shared life experiences that are so important to our children. Can lives. I ask a question? Are you going to ask them about the children in the I want to know why and where does it say this? What? Like, where is this a thing? The what? That that's a problem? Yeah. Uh, because Jen Wilkin thinks it's a problem. And so these two betas are conceding that that's a problem because it's why the is that a problem co- it's it's the gospel coalition of course it's a problem like if you're teaching biblical principles doesn't that solve all of these problems uh hi it doesn't matter if you're poor or or from asian descent or from african descent it doesn't matter none of that matters uh i love you because god loves you and i want you to know the truth about him like is isn't that like it that is it that is what god's word says the only way to have racial reconciliation or socioeconomic reconciliation is through reconciliation with christ it's through christ reconciliation there's no other way no justin you need to know the evils of heroin by trying out heroin we talked about this last episode like you have to like you have to know that a broken marriage is bad by watching a broken marriage like you have to know that no, 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 by experiencing a broken marriage <laughs> no, I don't understand like it's when this you pick doesn't make up any mall, it doesn't make any sense and then break up like you don't identify counterfeits by by like looking at a bunch of counterfeits, you identify counterfeits by knowing what is true. That's how you identify a counterfeit. So if you're growing up learning the truth, then it's not going to be like shocking to come across like, oh, hey, look, I want you to know, little Billy, Timmy, Johnny, here's, here's the thing. Jonah. Things happen outside of the world and it's hard. And the Bible talks about all of these things. If you teach exegetically your children the Bible, you will not miss anything. Your child will know about every sexual problem, every financial problem, every violent problem. They will know about them all because God's word is not clean and pretty. It's true. Why did God tell the Israelites not to have sex with animals? I mean, it's all in there. Guys. Literally, it's all in there. <laughs> And we act like, oh, well, if we teach them about, if we just keep them in our Christian bubble, what? They'll know the truth about everything? Like, literally everything. Well, don't you remember that verse in the New Testament where it says that everything that we need from life and godliness is found through shared living experiences in the public school? (laughs) No. You don't even need to add the public school. This whole premise is wrong. Like, it's just all wrong. (laughs) And again, what do you do about homogeneous, like, cultures? Like, for all this not, this, like, cheering rah rahing about like scandinavian countries can i just tell you something dudes is white bro dudes is all white they all have the same grandfather that is a it's a homogeneous culture like yeah there's some people that are slightly poorer than other people but also guess what they have a huge social system because they live off of the backs of oil 
<laughs> they have massive oil reserves off their coast that funds their socialist policies. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're taxed at a 60% rate. I'm sorry, I'm getting off into a different tangent. But the reality is they are a homogeneous culture and it's hard to know all of these different things you we must experience in order to be a full and complete person over there. Like, are they not full and complete person? Well, that seems real ethnicist of you. Like, who are you to say? Sorry, this stuff. When people make stupid arguments, it frustrates me. Like, like you're really smart people. Like, no, you don't concede that point, Dr. Pennington. You say... I'm so sorry. I don't understand. What are you saying? Like, so, so, so what? So, so for who, for what, Jen? Like, sounds like these, it sounds like these upper middle class white men just want token Hispanics and token African Americans to build their diversity portfolio. Well, if it's at Jen's church, only if they're like an eight or nine. Well, we're about to, we're about to finish up this section. Bird. Um, do you want to go into Sorry. this section of dangers of being too extreme? It's a 10 minute long segment. I would definitely love to go into that very much. Oh, okay, great. And I, I, I share that value as well. Yeah, yeah that's helpful. So one thing that <laughs> I love, this. That, I love that is, we uh, talked about. That's helpful. So, yeah. It's not one as good as segues as we are. That there are polarities on What I do not like is this haircut. Who are more dogmatic about... Um, the decisions that they've made, and, and you obviously extend a lot of charity each other and other families because of reasons that you've stated. What dangers do you see in the hearts of the extremes? And I'll, I'll ask each of you to address the heart on the extreme of your particular side. So I've, I've been starting with Jen. I'll start with you, Jonathan. This time. Yeah, I mean that's really important, and that and that was one of the reasons why I was hesitant to have this conversation, not because. It wouldn't go well with Jen. I've been in her home many times and know her kids, and they're wonderful. And it has and, been fun and, to see how yeah. well you know each other. Yeah, and, it's been great. And, and again, we have many great <laughs> public school teachers and counselors and others in our church. Really as start well. burning lavender pastor, oil and, and just yeah, careful sinkers. Yeah. Yeah. Demonization going on at our church at all, but I, you're right. That is the case in in broader Christian culture. You, but I, I, you know, we were very involved you in the homeschool movement, especially back in the '90s and early 2000s, and. I, so I'm not involved anymore, but one of the things you definitely see in a lot of that world is a very pull up the drawbridge, us versus them, throw some holy hand grenades over the, it's a Monty Python reference, throw some holy hand grenades over the, uh, <laughs> well done, Dr. Over the walls and, and a very hold up um, it, us versus them kind of culture. And that is not healthy. It's not healthy on any side of any spectrum. I, one of my life principles is that the degree to which our life energy is motivated by things we're opposed to is the degree to which we're unhealthy. I would just like to say, Dr. Life energy. <laughs> I just want to say, Dr. Pennington, just real quick. Um, I'm, not, I'm not Dr. Pennington. You're no, right. I'm just talking to Dr. Pennington. Oh, I just oh, want to give okay. a heart to heart. Dr. Pennington, come in close. Come here. Dr. Pennington. I can feel his breath on me. If you're talking about us, if you're talking about truth, you're either for God or you're against him. And the God of angel armies is not one to be trifled with. So Dr. Pennington, I want you to just listen, listen, listen. No, no. Put the tie down. Take a second. Okay. Loosen up that top button. Here you go, Pennington. When it comes to truth, it is a battle of us versus them. The us is truth. God's truth. The them is the world. And it is a battle a fight. And 
when it comes to letting your lot letting lies infect the truth pull up the drawbridge pull it up so here's the here's my question right here's my question <clears throat> he read the shema right shema he he read the shema shema i heard him where in there mm-hmm. was testing out and experiencing all of these other ideologies and uh, worldviews and all these other experiences. There, it wasn't wait, wait. in there. It wasn't. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just, here we go. At least he used scripture in its proper context. The unfortunate thing is that his uh, orth, orthopraxy also isn't, is just not matching up. Mm, with yes. Them. With his orthodoxy. Yeah. Mm. Beep, boop. And that applies on the left and the right. And, and so I, I'm afraid that a lot of fear mongering happens and also a lot of fear driven um, motives are behind a lot of people homeschooling and, and doing private school. I'm afraid of they're going to come get our kids or something and, and no good decisions come out of fear. No good decisions. So they are going to come get your kids. <laughs> I just want to say this. Like if you can't, if you can't be a man of Issachar or just a man, like if you can't be a man of Issachar and understand what's going on here, then but I, I don't know how how am I how are we, how am I supposed to help you? They want your children. They want your children to be indoctrinated. This has been we have outlined this so many times. The Frankfurt School infect inf, infected. I think infected is the right word. We'll just use infected. Infected Columbia University and sought to put people in all the robes of society. After the, the Italian Marxist Antonio Gramsci outlined a better way to actually win the culture in the Karl Marx's economic view by pulling it into a practical application, and they have been doing it since the 20s now. That has been what's happening. There's a whole school that is literally the Frankfurt School that like they changed their name and stuff like that exists under the Columbia University umbrella still to this day. And they are they are cranking out lawyers. They are cranking out doctors. They are cranking out teachers and educators. These are the things they want to infect with the horrible, lying, satanic ideology. And guess what? They want to take your children. They want to own their hearts and minds and souls. That is what evil will do unless you encounter it with truth, light, clean it, sanitize it, bring healing. Oh my gosh. We'll convert your children. I remember that song. Yes, we will. <laughs> even if we're no use in fighting it something. Even <laughs> grandma likes RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Nailed and, it. and so I have, I have the same concerns with Dr. Pennington in a lot of this as I did with Jen in the last one is that I think I feel like they think that this world is some type of neutral place and it's not as if we're warring against spiritual principalities and powers especially when it comes to the hearts and minds of our children forces of darkness in high places it's it is disgusting this lack of awareness of the war that we are in especially when we have all of these statistics that we have about about children walking away from their parents about children walking away from their uh, faith about 70% of teens when they go off to college walk away from the faith. like why do we think this is working and why do you think this is so neutral it angers me 
It irks me. This isn't a game. It's not a good faith game that we just get to experiment with. This isn't... It's a bigger deal than that. And it does start in the home because I know homeschooled parents, homeschooled children. I know private school, Christian educated children that have also walked away. And you know why? Because I look at their parents and their home life and it was not reflecting any sort of biblical truth. So we know it starts in the home, but certainly don't think you're not, you're going to be able to amend the home with lies. And every time you're going to turn out, you're going to get a Wilkin kid. Like that's not how, that's not a real, that's not a, a viable option now. All of her kids went to school and graduated before we had the, the, the Black Lives Matter riots, all of them. And if you want to talk about an interesting tipping point in the cultural conversation around racial essentialism, that was it. That was it. The summer of love, the, the riots in the streets during COVID and how you don't get infected when you're rioting for, for some version of social justice. Like all of that happened. And like that next year was the year they, they started actually rolling out the health, the health guidelines in the New Jersey public schools. And that's the year that my kids were supposed to study. No, I'm sorry, not my kids. Uh, the older grades when my kids, my last year of my kids' public school <laughs> career, the older grades were doing sections on Black Lives, Black Lives Matter art projects and understanding racial art and stuff. And like, uh, so all of her kids went to school before this. They graduated before this in Texas, mind you. Like. You have to understand something like that's why we put out our meme. By the way, if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a good check it. IG meme is a funny. Ah, uh, yeah. Very good. Ah, uh. yeah. And I mean, the, the thing is, is that is that it's it, it this this context is education, of course. But I mean, it's it's everywhere. I mean, I remember I remember playing through the Spider-Man Miles Morales video game. And one of the special missions that I, I think it was a mandatory mission um, that l- lands you a new suit is in front of a Black Lives Matter mural in New York City. And you take a picture in front of it. And it's, it's this whole big altar to BLM in the middle of a video game that no parent is ever going to know it exists unless they're there playing the video game with their children. I mean, these, these principles, these principalities and powers are not asleep. They are very much awake and they are everywhere. If they're in a video game, they're in your schools. Well, like how about, I'm just sorry. Was, did you win like a giant? Was the suit you got white? No, I think it was black and gold. Actually, oh, that was that's oh, black and gold. That makes mm-hmm. sense. That's the colors of BLM. bumblebees. BLM. Oh, it's yellow and yellow and black. Is it really? You, on their website. On, no, on their website, they just use black and white on the uh, the lawn signs they sold for money so that they could buy homes. Well, it's cheaper. <laughs> it's cheaper. That's correct. That's exactly why you don't use yellow. <laughs> Increases the profit margin. <laughs> that's correct. I'm sorry. It's just true. It's a fact. We know. We print things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. You see, I, I think you do see a us versus them mindset, and it's probably a reaction to the overuse of the, and this misuse of assault and light idea. Um, and so, a lot of times, homeschool people will say, you know, I'm not putting my kids in assault and light, and I, and I agree with you. I think that's not the best way to think about it. And so, we're going to hold up and protect our kids. And so, I think that's yes, that's correct, Doctor Pennington. <laughs> that's your job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Like why? Why are we? 
why are we just ignoring all of the war analogies in the scripture? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a contentious man. I, I, I mean, you know me probably better than anybody listening to this. And I'm, I'm not a contentious man, but I will contend for the truth. And like, there is war all around us in these ideologies and principalities and powers. And if they were there in Paul's day, they certainly haven't gone away in ours. So just to be clear, it's God of armies. When you read the God of hosts, it's armies. Yeah, I mean, this is where the pie. <laughs> That's idea what the Bible really says. I just I don't understand. What we, how many times do you, you No one, no one acknowledges how many times like is Paul just a warmonger? Cause you know how many times he uses literal war analogies Fairly often. Yeah, often. And we're just going to ignore it. Like the Bible, like like he accidentally chose armor for what you put on when you're going into a spiritual battle. <laughs> it's just an it's just a it's just a picture. It's just a picture. Well, why didn't he why didn't he just pick like any dress? Like literally the layers of your tunics and stuff. Like no, he picked war because when you go to carry out the truth, guess what you're going into? A battle. Public school. Oh. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the difficulty um and again this is where the paideia idea really applies to paideia idea have your kids paideia. in public school or private paideia. school there are plenty of christian schools that don't do paideia either like they're not really shaping they're Agreed. seeking to protect and defend Agreed. and create an us versus them and i would say that i would be critical of that approach as well and so anything that um disengages us with culture that doesn't value the common good and doesn't seek to create people of, of virtue, whether it's in a Christian school or not, is not good. That's good. Uh, I would say that the probably the potholes on, on my side fall in, in two categories. One is um, I'm just gonna send them and they'll be fine. Like not staying involved in what's actually happening in that education space not um, finding ways to actually be physically present in it in appropriate ways for parents to be involved. Uh, you know, when they were in elementary school, I was gonna be the room mom if I could, or at least be one of those moms um, so that I could get eyes on who these other kids were that they were interacting with. Um, I think just trusting that the peer group is probably not gonna be an issue um, because the church youth group is going to make up for whatever. So I think if you're thinking, well, I'm going to outsource their education and their Christian formation, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, but I think the other side, too, that is also equally difficult is the parent who's like, nope, we're on mission here. And I'm going to ask a child who is um, socially uh, immature to go in with guns blazing and proselytize. That is exactly what she claims when she claims to send her kids because she loves her neighbors. And I'm done play like there's no I'm not I'm not joking. It is a placate. You are placating. You're you're doing word salad dances of, of f ignorance and foolishness to think you don't send your kids in to be salt and light. You don't send your kids in to proselytize, but you have to love your neighbor, love your neighbor which means you have to send your kid to Christian school. Okay, why, Jen? Well, well, because... Public that, school. Public school, sorry. You should send your kid... To, you, she doesn't say have. She says you should, if you can, send your kid to public school. Sorry, I want to be clear. You should, if you can, send your kid to public school. Well, why, Jen? Uh, well, that's because 
that if you do that, it will help the your neighbor by helping the public school. Well, why would it do that by helping the public school? Well, because your child's going to be a more engaged learner, and they're going to be engaged with truth, studying, applying themselves, having morals, having values. They're going to raise the whole bar in the classroom. Jen, why is that? That's where you get silence, because the answer is, because they're Christians, and they're going to be giving a Christian idea and a Christian worldview and how they live and act and move and breathe and live, speak. Oh, so they're going to be salt and light, Jen? Exactly. Like no, they're not the going to actually give the gospel. It's the same argument. No, I, I don't even think the gospel is on her mind right now. I think that she literally just means that they're going to, by being there and be, being present, they are going to make the public school experience a better experience for kids less fortunate. Well, I don't think it has. I truly don't think. No, I think what she's she, thinking about salt and light. No, but I think she is at all. because she's thinking like First Timothy 4.10 kind of situation. I think I have that reference, right? Where it says that, that Jesus has come to save all people, especially Christians. <laughs> and someone's like, oh, that means, look, the whole world's going to be saved. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. You're mishearing that verse. Let me read it again. Jesus came in to save the world, especially Christians. See, that word especially means something. It means that when Jesus came, yes, there were secondary cause, causal impacts to Jesus Christ coming. And in fact, there's a whole book about him. D. James Kennedy wrote a long time ago called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? But the primary the primary cause is the especially Christians part because what especially happens to the salvation of Christians is their souls are counted as righteous because of his death, burial, resurrection. His blood covers their souls. That's why especially Christians are saved in Christ, but Jesus Christ simply coming has affected the world for good because God came physically as a man and touched this earth. And so it changed the views of how we even think about government, women, education, all of these things were impacted by the actual finger of God, the hand, the man himself coming down and living as a man. And, and that's where I think salt and light becomes a reality. There is salt and light in just the presence of a Christian in a space showing the ethic of a Christian without even saying the gospel. That's not salvation. I'm not saying that they're trying to, they're going to save. They're not inherently going to proselytize, but she's still spreading the salt and light by simply their presence is going to make it better for all the people that have no idea where those values are coming from. Right. It's, it's them attempting to do cultural transformation without gospel transformation, without the essential part of it. Yes, right. correct. You're right. It's, it is without the essential part of it, but it's just so frustrating because the argument is so, it's so disingenuous. It is so disingenuous. You're saying the same thing. It's in duplicitous. A it is duplicitous. And, and a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways or woman is unstable in all their ways. <laughs> So you can't do this. And it's a shame because, I mean, everything my wife told me about the, the study on Hebrews and women of the word, <laughs> like those were so, they were great. I was getting it like twice, I was getting it from my wife, getting it from my mom, hearing about it all the time. And now I'm like, why can't you apply what you're exegeting? Like, where is it going? <laughs> this is not, this is just a... Like, I, I expect more than irrationality. I need good arguments. At least give me good arguments. Sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize, everyone. Now, when, when I pause this, and another thing I noticed is that both men are crossing their legs in the exact same way that Jen Wilkin is. Other students. Uh, or I'm going to secretly try to get this public school to be a Christian school that's just, you know, acting like it's a public school. Like that's, that I'll hear a lot me, yeah. um, from parents who will say, well, it's a public school, but all the teachers are Christians. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I, I want my children to be exposed to all different kinds of teachers. 
what are you talking about? Oh, that's good. But I want my, I really want my child to be exposed to that blue haired neo-Nazi. That's probably a good idea. I want she, her to teach my kid. She knows all of the teachers in her district. And <laughs> she that, was the mom who was saying, but all my, Christ, all my teachers are Christians. <laughs> so I have a question. If a, if a Christian parent, in actual, this is, this is legitimate. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. If a Christian parent takes their, young child to a drag queen story hour or a drag show a family quote-unquote family friendly drag show because they want their child to have all of these lived experiences and to help them relate to and understand people fallen people better um, is, is that like an okay thing for Jen in this construct love uh, your love your neighbor love, love, you, yeah. love your neighbor I, I find this argument to be so crazy if you want to change culture then you want it to follow God. Yes. That's how you change. That's how culture is different. That is why somehow God has been gracious enough to allow, to allow America to last. It's the only reason it's because there are core biblical principles that we have a hard time even pulling away from because they're so deeply ingrained into why America continues to exist. And it is just his grace because where we're trying to, we're trying to rip all of them, all of them out at the root and burn them in a fire. And, and to think that you can, you're going to have a good society by getting exposure to, um, Hinduism and Buddhism and, and having it run by people in the LGBTQIA plus silent P mafia. Like it's not going, it's not, it's not a reality that's going to happen. Like we don't, we don't have Rome anymore. We don't have Greece anymore. You know why? Because they got so decadent. This is exactly the side of stuff that broke their call. It broke them, broke them down because they had nothing to do with God. They abandoned it for the God of reason. I mean, look at the French revolution. It's literally that picture abandoning God for reason. And what, how many constitutions have they had since they had their French revolution about the same time the American constitution was written? They've had like seven or eight constitutions in this time. They're rewriting it, adding to it. That's not even counting the amendments that they've done. They want to change it yet again. Like there's, it's cause they can't hold on to reason, man's reason. Their constitution fluid. <laughs> That's definitely true. I'm sorry. These Bunch are all big baguettes. principles. They're just are big principles that she's missing. You can't, I, I, I want my kids to be they're exposed big. to all types of teaching. They're big. They're fundamental. No. no, no, do not. No, I do not want my kids exposed to all types of teaching. I'm sorry. I don't. Nope. I think based on that rationality, it would be, if at all possible, good to send your children to a drag queen story hour for their lived experience. I think that's a good point, Jesse. I would also like to say, this is a little plug, and this is not, they're not a sponsor, but I'd love for them to be. Um, <laughs> World Watch is great if you want your kids to get an unbiased news take that you can talk about in ways they can handle it. World Watch. Google World Watch. When you say unbiased, what do you mean? I mean, it's just the news. They don't, <clears throat> they do have a very clear Christian bend. Um, and like their fluff pieces are super fun, but they will just tell you a story without t giving, taking like a certain political lean, but they will give a Christian lean to it, a, a biblical lean to it, but they won't say, Oh, this is a, what Joe Biden's evil for doing this. They'll just say, this is what Joe Biden did. And then it gives you an opportunity as a parent to ask questions. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Why is it a good idea? Why is it a bad idea? It's actually really, uh, really good in that way. And pretty soon, uh, your kids will probably have better policies than the president of the United States. My kids already have better policies. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. It's Actually, right my, my kids have, have, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. 
years, and then I can parent them through whatever those are. So um, I don't want to covertly take over the public schools and make them Christian schools, uh, although I value, uh, you know, the ethics that that would involve. Like, then what do you think the gospel does to culture? Like, I... Yeah, this is where I, like, I want to mention the old Deluder Satan Act of 1647, the first actual institution of public education requirements as handed down by the Puritans, <laughs> the Puritans in Massachusetts in 1642. They demanded that all school, all um, communities had to have a education for children to be able to read so that they could read the Bible. The Bible must be able to be read. So all children need to learn how to read. So they had to teach the kids how to read. These were at their core. Their, part of their their primary book was the Bible. <laughs> what are we going to study with? The Bible. Who is responsible Who for doing read? that? The state? The Bible. I have to look into this. I don't know anything about that. Well, back then. All being in place in the public schools. Pretty much your whole uh, government. But I think that um, because they're public schools. <laughs> they landed on the Mayflower. They need to serve a general <laughs> population in a way that a Christian school doesn't. And so that was always actually a big talking point with the kids was like, uh, what is appropriate as someone who is in basically a pluralistic environment? Uh, how is it appropriate to weigh into conversations when you do express your opinion? How do you do so that's respectful to the opinions of others? And I think that sometimes I mean some some opinions are just really bad opinions and Like you can't be respectful of really bad or God-hating opinions Love your neighbor Jesse. So I'm, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. <laughs> keep Forgetting Trump card. <laughs> Love your neighbor. Times <laughs> Christian parents can go on, go into those settings and sort of have a blunt force trauma event happen when they decide to express where they're coming from. So yeah, that's, that's how it plays out. If I might jump in there, please and just say so. Yeah, it's kind of like a sinners in the hands of an angry God kind of moment. That um, that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, I I agree that the. <laughs> It has to start in the home and, you know, knowing you and, and being in your home. I, I know you guys have done this well. No crying in math and all that. Yeah. You know, so, um, and, and it is what is challenging, I think, is that Christian parents who put their kids in Christian schools could, as you just said, actually neglect making the home the center as well. And so that's the irony of it. Like you can, again, outsource it all to church. I just want to affirm what you're saying, that that's, that's the challenge, I think, is that you, we, we have to start recognizing that we are responsible. I think part of the trick that I'd like to hear from you about is what about the single mother or the the parents that have to work a ton of jobs and they, and or for mental health reasons, a thousand reasons, they aren't able to give that kind of energy to the home and focus with central spaces. There are a million reasons why it may not happen. In that scenario, how, doesn't it seem that, that maybe um, Christian school would be a far better option because if you can't do the other very well, at least getting some help on the formative side. I'm just curious how you think about that. I think he just totally pointed out her privilege. <laughs> Your privilege is showing. Uh, what's our time, stamp? We're at an hour and two minutes. I mean, frankly, my question would be, how, how are we supposed to pay for that? Uh, I mean, the financial. <laughs> well, Jen, I have a question. Follow-up question. Um, I know how to pay with it with the souls of your kids. I was going to say, yeah, Jen. <laughs> Could you tell me, Jen, what price would you put on the soul of your child? 
<laughs> like, I find that I, you know what she's about to say. One of the things she's about to say is, I don't think Christian families should go into debt over their ed- kids' education. And I'm going to say this: Christian families will go into debt over everything, everything, everything that they want to do. Christian families, please stop. Here's what I want you to do: I want you to sell your home, pay off all your debt, rent a shack. And put your kids in an education where their soul will be nurtured and cared for, whether that is in your shack or whether that is in a Christian education. <laughs> shack schooling. <laughs> whether that is in, in, in a, I, don't, I don't think we understand something. You keep wanting to play around like we're going to change the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ by raising up little Romans. It's not a thing. It's not going to happen. You're not going to change the culture this way. Take responsibility. Build your home. Educate your child. This is not hard. This is basic biblical principle 101. One. Holy crud. It's like, it's just so infuriating. Like, we can think, you can think of a bajillion different reasons. This is what we... Pastors, if you're listening, oh figure out how to figure out how to take a gosh darn pay cut and start a fund in the church to give to Christian families for their education. But don't message those families on Instagram because you might be removed and then later <laughs> reinstated. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like, like, all right. Maybe you don't no, even but, need to take a pay cut. Just sell your church building. I guarantee you, you will be able to put so many families through whatever Christian education they they can with all of their children. If you'll just get rid of that land, you keep spending seventy percent of every dollar on. All right, here here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I am not what I'm not what I'm not saying again, again because I stated this I stated this last episode, but I haven't. I don't think I've stated it this episode. Yes, yeah, stated again. Please. I'm not going to say that it is impossible for a Christian family to have Christian children in a public school. I'm not going, I'm not willing to say that. I don't, I'm not Because every time you say it, it, I have to clarify. We don't have time for that. And, but, 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 they every should. time, <laughs> every time I want to do something that isn't, that isn't according to how scripture would have it, um, I start to make justifications and that's exactly what this is. This is an excuse. This is a, I, uh, hey, you need to stop looking at pornography. You need to throw your phone, your smartphone away, and get a dumb phone. No, but I need, I need my smartphone. Like I, I can't get rid of my smartphone. It's valuable to me. Like, uh, you know, hey, you should probably really try to consider what it looks like. You know, you don't have a lot of time to devote, you know, to your kids after school. You're, and you're working. I understand that. We're trying to help you as a church. Um, you know, you should probably, you know try to see if there's any other, you know, better or alternative form of education for them because you don't have that kind of time to put in. Yeah, well, you know what? That uh, it's 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 the money, you know. I I I I can't do it for the money, like, you know. So, like what are we playing with here? We're playing with fire, right? We know except except for Jen, I don't think thinks that this is fire. I think that Jen thinks that this is a perfectly neutral space with perfectly fine people on both sides. And uh, sorry. Thanks, <laughs> um, Trump. <laughs> and and I don't think she's she's properly outlining that. Like, screw the finances. Just screw. This is a this is a Jesus wants the rose Jeez, level goats warning level of passion for me. Forget about the money. We're talking about your children. We're talking about a seventy percent rate of kids leaving the faith by the time they hit high school. That starts way earlier than high school. That's just when it manifests. Yes, because they've established their paradigm by the time they're nine, right? Ten. So, and and oh my gosh, it is just, it is just absolutely, it's just absolute insanity. You know what? And it, and it, and honestly, I do want to i we I do want to call out the, those churches that that will 
pay for everything under the sun. They will spend the most money on the most audio equipment. We have a and, slide that shoots your kid out with a new t-shirt every week. We have ice cream outside. We do baptisms right here, right now in this pool. And you're not willing to invest in your congregation, in the educating of your congregation's children. If you're not willing to help with that, I think that you're doing something wrong. I really do. I really, really do. If you can't figure it out and find a way, take a special offering. I don't really care. But figure it out and help your people steward their children well. Because you will, as leadership, you will be held responsible for whether or not you can you can shepherd your congregation in the way that they should go. And if you neglect your congregation's children in that way and you're saying, no, I can't do that. I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to do that. Then you you'll, you know what? We'll let God figure that one out for you, bud, because I don't think it's going to go super well. How embarrassing. How dare you? It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Oh, my gosh. How much more do I have to listen to this? Implications of Christian school are staggering. And so I ask our Christian parents going into debt over this. Is that right? Yeah. Honestly, if the cost is your children, but if the potential cost is your children, yeah, going into debt with, over Christian education, I think is a perfectly fine opportunity. You know, I mean, like, that's a conversation. I don't think it should have to be. I think the church should step up and not, ha- not allow that to happen. But for families to have among themselves, I would never just say, you know, you should never, ever do that. But uh, for us... Because she's not saying you should or shouldn't ever never do anything. <laughs> Love your neighbor, Jesse. That is the only thing that she has said with any sort of gusto, and she's applied that to any situation. Well, she's she not could saying possibly. you never ever should or shouldn't do anything. She's just saying that if you can. Right, which is not saying you should ever or never. Like here's what she here's what she said. She has not said one thing from any sort of actual convicted stance where she's actually making a statement that applies. That's not true. In she any does have conviction that it, that you should love your neighbor and send your kid to public school if you can. Like that's she's convicted about that. Like she really means I feel like she she genuinely means that. I think she means that, but it's still like it's still not super helpful because it doesn't actually clarify anything for also, anybody. Also, Jen, you have a nice smile. Use it way more often because when you don't smile, uh, you did just you pause look on the same spot. You yeah, just look, look like you're frowning. The frown lines are hard and deep. Just smile way like way more. Just, just smile. Smile. Do it. <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> you know, $35,000 a year for that many children over that many years, I, I can't even imagine how pa- we pause would it. have. Pause it. I just want to say something. Um, yes. And if that's the only Christian school in your area in Texas, that is a lot of money. 35000 for each kid. But I will say this. Not for each kid, for I think the sum of her kids. The sum total of her kids? What thirty five thousand dollars for? She per, said per kid. Well, I guess we can scrub this. Over a year for that many children, so it's thirty five thousand a year for for the kids each year. Right, right. That's, that's how that's how I took that. <clears throat> that's a lot of money. She had a lot of so kids. for five kids. That's what seven grand a year. Is is what that comes? Oh, I guess that's actually not as bad when you think about it that way. I mean, that's 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 I mean, still, it's still a lot more of money. expensive than some of the schools you and I are familiar with in our area. It's about, I mean, yeah, it's a little less than where I'm at now. It's a little, it's about the same price about for where Kylie's about to head for her for her next level of education. But at the same time, I can I will guarantee you the Christian schools she has in in Texas have everything. Football. They probably they may even have a pool. I've seen the Christian schools in areas of the country. 
that are actually a little more Christian and conservative, they are massive. I'm like, this is a Christian school? This is bigger than the public schools I have in New Jersey. This is crazy. We went to a school this past week for a soccer game. Uh, Washington Township. We went to Washington Township High School. And they have, like, everything. And they have pictures of all the teams on all these buildings. Huge. Like, we're talking 30-foot billboard pictures of the team. Like, And I loved it. They had the wrestling team. And, like, they had three girls on the wrestling team because that's a thing in high school sports. But it was great. The three girls, they looked completely girls. Like, totally looked like girls. Guess what the motto of the wrestling team is? Because they have all the mottos for each team is under their banner. Guess what their motto was? I I don't know. Nobody cares. Work harder. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes, I love that motto. But like, that's the level of schools. Like, I saw, I literally at my um, my um, sister in law, brother in law, out in Minnesota. They their kids go to a, a Christian school out there that makes every public school I've ever seen in New Jersey look like a trash bin on fire. This Christian school was gorgeous. I'm talking like anything you could imagine this Christian school had. And I'm like, Did it have Chick-fil-A? Uh, I, I, I honestly would. I, I think Dan Cathy lives in there. He must live at this place. That's how amazing this place was. Dan Cathy comes out of a hobbit <laughs> hole and greets the children every morning. <laughs> he, pops, he pops out like, sea creatures love you. Love I'm like, you. what is happening here? No, but... Um, so I'm just saying, like, I know these the Christian school that she's talking about in Texas was probably very, very good, a very, very good Christian school. And so like that, yes, you're spending money. Yes, it is a cost, but you could not spend that cost and homeschool your child and give it and invest that time. I mean, you seem to be all about investing the time. You just didn't do it for the education portion, which is crazy because it sounds like you and your husband are geniuses. Like, I don't understand what the problem was. You're nerds. You just yourself, you self-described as nerds. <laughs> so like... But she doesn't want to sacrifice her career, Justin. I guess it is hard to crank out exegesis when you're having to teach algebra. Jeez. I mean, with her kids, probably calculus. <laughs> uh, Let's no. invent a new Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> anyway. Wilkinsonian theorem. <laughs> Over that many years, I, I can't even imagine how we would have done that. And Pause. so while I do think. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I'm just I'm thankful for you. Yeah, I'm thankful for my mom. And truly, too. truly thankful because you did invest in both of us. And uh, I'm not saying that through thick and thin. Yeah, I mean you probably. I mean the home, the the Christian education, and uh, and I, I hope that this even even this podcast can be a fruit of that labor. So sorry, just wanted to say that. I don't think she ever actually answers this question. By the way, no, she just Christian complains about money. Is, is well suited for some families. Um, I, I think of the other uh, single moms, the, you know, and, the and white privileged ones where both parents are working, uh, who, who that's not even on the table for them. And then how do I make sure, because it's good for all of us if those families also thrive. And so being present in the public schools is a way to ask a question, which someone posed to me recently that I thought was a thought provoking question. Whose children deserve a bad education is what this person asked. What? I, I can't say this enough. Until 20 minutes ago, education was not a right. Was not a, d- d- those words did not compute. 
guess what education you got. Whatever education was provided by your family, that was your education. This is not a thing. This thing that we keep talking about, education is a human right, healthcare is a human right. Yeah, five seconds ago, five seconds ago these things became human rights. Here's tell, the, tell that to Laura frickin' Ingalls Wilder, okay? Yeah, I mean like, no, but seriously, how do you think, how do you, how do you think you get educated on the prairie? You know what? Your family helps educate you. You have a one-room schoolhouse where everyone Prairie knows everything you. that goes on. Like, this is not this is not a thing. You know how they had that school, by the way? The people from the area paid, put money together, decided they would hire a teacher, vetted that teacher, got a different teacher. I've seen the show. When they needed a different teacher, they get a different teacher. It was a book before it was a show, Justin. <clears throat> it was a it's history. It's an actual thing that happened. It's like a history. It's like an autobiography. <laughs> but but like Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> so her content her her contention he, his quest what We've got to end on this segment because it's just going to, nobody's going to listen to a three hour podcast. But, but what his question was is okay, you're saying that people need to invest, that, that Christian parents who send their kids to public school need to invest in quality family time at home. His question was what about the parents who are either single mothers who are working very often to just provide basic needs for their family that don't have the time or literally cannot invest in, their children after school or where or homes where both where both parents are working um I, that is a fair question and her answer is that's why christians need to be in public schools so that we can make public schools good so that they get a good education <laughs> by being present in the public schools i am sorry jen you're not present in that public school eight hours a day also I'm you're so still not sorry, present honey. at home the point was you're, you're not present oh at home gosh. to make the home space so like who cares if, if the family values and if the worship values and if the worldview values come from home and you're not at home, then and you're saying, oh, well, just public school, like where are the worldview values coming from? And, and I, I don't think I said this last time. The worldview values should come from home, which is great. They should come from the place, but worldview values absolutely will come from, in general, the place where you are spending most of your time. If you're not investing that hardcore time with your children in public school, they absolutely will get the 15 or 50,000 hour at, uh, over the course of their 18 years. That's where their worldview is coming from. Just to be clear, it's without a doubt. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. She just set up a straw man. That's what it's called when you when you take a question and answer it in a in something completely else and then attack she that. She only thing. had a brain. <clears throat> she had. <clears throat> Are you okay? It's in, my, it's in my throat. Oh no! It's. Uh, <clears throat> let me. Let me. <clears throat> excuse us while Justin dies. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm better now. He's back. I'm back. I've been revived. Um, what she did was set up a straw man. The question is, I am a nurse. <laughs> what about? What about? What about single parents that don't have the time to build that home as strong as you did in these shared spaces and whatever? What, what, you engineer nerd. <laughs> that doesn't Christian schooling provide a foundation that you can easily be built off of when you don't have as much time to invest? That's the that's the question. And her answer is, it's, it's too, too expensive. expensive. That's not answering the question. That's setting up finances as the straw man and attacking the finances. See... Where <clears throat> this all I'm so frustrated. So where this all needs to coalesce right here, okay, is she is she is attempting to say that Christian parents should be spending and investing the time in public education 
so that the public education can be as good as possible. Not Correct. Cr- not Christian. Right. She doesn't want it to be a Christian. She doesn't want Christians to take over the public space. But there's two problems there. Because it there? needs to be secular. Because that's what's best. But the two problems are... I'm sorry. My sarcasm is... One, that parent doesn't have the time to invest in the home to build that child into a Christian, a good, godly Christian man or woman to then be in that space and actually make it better. The question specifically stated... What about parents that don't have as much time to invest at home to create that home space? Shouldn't they at least seek to supplement with a Christian education that they can then use time really impactfully, the limited time they have really impactfully? Right. At what point as at what point is this person's pastor so so the the place where she's choosing to pool her resources are in the public school when really the best way to help and love her Christian neighbor is to actually put those resources into her church and to allow the church to actually be the thing that helps that parent and that family get the education that their child really should get. But she can't because she's pulling her kid out of the memory verse. <laughs> like, I don't want this to, I really hate that this is coming off like a, like a, like bash Jen Wilkin thing. I'm not trying to bash Jen Wilkin. I'm trying to bash bad her, ideas. Ba- her, these her are bad ideas. ideas. Are so bad. These her voice are is annoying, not, but these ideas are very bad. They're not good ideas. Again, I, I, you can pick up women of the word and use all the principles in it and you will have found yourself a much better way to, uh, to, um, exegete God's word in a good, godly, honoring biblical way. And then take all of those good biblical principles you've learned and apply them to education. Not like this. Not like this. The place where Christians should pull their resources are into their local churches, and the local churches should be assisting to fund parents like that. Because those parents cannot, she, she's not addressing the fact that those parents cannot actually adequately pour in the proper amount of worldview instruction and education outside of school. She's never once addressed that. Especially not the single parents he just asked a question about. Right. That's that's what I mean. She's not answering this question because she thinks what? By by being a presence in the public school, they'll be discipled well in that public school. And that's the thing. The public school is the thing that's going to be the worldview replacement for the parent at home. What in the world is she taught? This is psychotic. And if the, if it, honestly, if a, if a Christian pastor can go to a Christian school with a parent and say, Hey, we are having, we'd love to support them as much as we can. Uh, Is there a way we can work on tuition? Is there a way we can schedule out payments? Is there a way we can work with some sort of institution? Do you have any scholarships? Like exhaust the resources, at least in a way that can help that parent before you run to, well, we'll just have to send them to public school now. Like that's, that's not a good, that's not great. That's Where not is great. she caring? She cares. I'm sorry. I don't want to ascribe motives. Don't ascribe but motives. It sounds like okay. she was. She is more willing to care for and find solutions for the education of the children rather than instructing, instructing the heart of that child. And that is disgraceful. Well, she's not. She has plenty of time to invest As in a Bible home teacher. space. She's going to make that home space so no, central. No, for, not, not, for, not for the poor kid. No, but by but by her uber educated, awesome children being at that school, she's making it better for the poor kid. Right. Maybe education wise, but not in instructing their heart. Right. Because they're not home for the home space time. Right. But it but and they're not in but, any sort of environment where a but, good world. But her, be but her kids are equipped to be salt and light to that child. And really, she's really good. Those kids are going to go out there. And they're going to help proselytize that kid that needs it. No, they're not. Oh, wait, they're not supposed to do that. I'm so sorry. Never mind. That's not going to happen either. It's too much of a blunt, blunt force trauma. Yeah, approach, we don't have Justin. blunt force. I'm sorry. I apologize. 
<clears throat> do we uh, do we keep going and to make this two episodes at this point? Like just like finish out maybe one, two of these last four points, just two of them. What do you think? Power through? I don't know. We've so, said a lot already. I mean, we, we've said a lot. I mean, we're gonna have to break this. We're gonna have to break this up. Let's finish our segment. There's only there's only a little bit more, and then we'll pause. No, no, let her keep talking. I think we would all say no ones, no ones do, and so then it reframes for me. Gosh, I'm gonna try with everything that I can to make sure that not just my own children are thriving, but that the children in my community and my area of influence are thriving as well. Thriving in what way? Thriving in what way, Jen? Um, so. You know, I, honestly, my my exposure to the Christian schools that I know of is not overly positive. Uh, I think when you're trying. Okay, I actually don't care about this part of her opinion. We can just pause now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear her talk about the Christian schools that, that haven't been overly positive. No, I, I don't care about her shared living here. I don't care about her shared living lived experience with that. No, I, I kind at least of, not on this episode. <clears throat> so. That's good. But then this is a great place to uh, take a good hard break. <laughs> yep. Hard um, stop. We're pulling the Jake break on. Yeah, this definitely. One. I hope you've listened to this. Out. <laughs> is, that, is that the sound that Jake breaks? Make? No, they make that. <laughs> yeah, that sound. Yeah. Um, so I hope uh, you've listened to this at like 1.3 speed to really get through it. Uh, but I think I think this I think this is invaluable because if we're not getting a good understanding of what the full shaping of a human being is, that idea that idea the full shaving of a human being shaping oh shaping. Fully <laughs> <laughs> okay went to a dark place. Um, then, it, then it's not as helpful. I think it's really helpful to get a full form understanding of it. Um, so I do. I hope that this is something that encourages your heart, encourages your soul, uh, gives you food for thought, and reach out with questions. If we've been too dogmatic in certain areas, understand we've we've tried to be really transparent in both of these episodes about what we think about education, as well as go back and listen to the poor audio recording quality of episode three, which outlines all three different ways you can educate your child, whether it be in a private Christian institution the public school or in a homeschool environment uh, from as much of a biblical perspective as we could possibly provide. So please, if you're, if you're thinking, oh, these guys are just crazy Christian nut jobs, just go back and listen to that. We've, we've outlined this before. Like it was one of the first things we did. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we hope that this will encourage your heart and give you some, some solid uh, backbone to understand how and why uh, you should educate your child and take it quite seriously. Yeah. And I mean, just message us. Hit us up on the Instagram. We we message back. Yeah, we're not like we're not lame. We're not like like you. Go, let's like let's just say you wanted to like message like cultish or something like that. Like yeah, you were trying to message them. So. You think they have time to get back to you or care what you have to say? No, no way. <laughs> you think? I mean, come on. You think? They're you think like, like oh, just do some research for my next episode, bro. You think like you think like Dr. James White's got time to jump off and like listen to you you rant and rave about something? Like like I know for a fact he does not. <laughs> 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 it is uh it may or may not be true anyway i uh, just wanted to uh yeah anyway so go ahead message us we'd love to talk to you and interact with you and uh we hope that uh no matter what you christian this day will seize, seize the, the faith, faith.